Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You ever wonder what the point of life is? Why we're squatting on this big hunk of space rock that is traveling across the sun, that we're slowly poisoning, and will eventually be consumed by entropy. Oh yeah, that's right, it's to subscribe to fellow artists' Patreons, such as myself, an artist. Patreon.com slash MatthewDonald. There you can find bonus content for both my shows, The Ritwin and Paleobites. For the Paleobites bonus content, we discuss pop culture featuring prehistoric animals, and this month we're talking about, that's right, we're finally doing it, Jurassic Park! The book. Uh, the original book from 1990 by Michael Crichton, the one that the movie was based off of. Did you know it was based off a book? I didn't. Of course he did. Link is in the description for where you can sign up to the Patreon. Thank you for your support. Have a lovely day. And find your purpose in life. We all need a purpose. Maybe just go out and look at leaves. Smell the roses. Take a long walk on the beach at cool summer night. Roar, growl, snarl, bellow. Welcome to Paleobites, the podcast whose only fans account is a Maya Sora. My name's Matthew Tonald, and each week I and a rotating series of guest co-hosts talk about and rate a genus of prehistoric animal, be it dinosaur, mammal, arthropod, and so on. This week I'm joined by someone who he was just doing a rant on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> It's Ben O'Regan. How are you? <laughs> Your voices are funny. <laughs> so. yeah, Donald Duck. It's one of the few voices I can actually do reliably. I can't. Yeah. I can't talk. You used to be able to do a somewhat decent Mickey Mouse, but oh. as everyone knows, your body goes through changes when you get older. I can't do it anymore. Oh, it's just, it's me. Mickey. I mean, my Mickey Mouse sounds more like Julia Child. <laughs> like, no, you sound more like the South Park Mickey Mouse. Oh uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they do, like if Disney keeps acquiring stuff. They do an episode with Mickey Mouse comes to prison and he's just like walking down um, the National Mall, whatever you call it, in DC to the White House while um, Be Prepared or Imperial March is playing. <laughs> no, I, I, it's like yeah, no, Mickey Mouse is dominated. It's like and like apparently mm. it's funny because like this is this I'm is. I'm actually surprised they haven't been broken up yet. Surely there's going to be some antitrust law that or anti-monopoly law from. Um, Teddy Roosevelt states that they're violated by now. I don't know. I feel like they'll probably have some sort of contract where, like, they'll, they'll keep the public the they'll keep the rights to it as long as they just keep using it. That probably be some sort of loophole they do, rather than extending it. This is something I was going to bring up, though. That I think uh, it's it's this is historically very true. This, this yeah. is, I'm not making this up. Hitler mm-hmm. loved Mickey Mouse. <laughs> 
<laughs> Honestly, isn't surprising. Hitler liked quite a few American things. Well, and it's not just like, it was like, oh, what an f- interesting character. Like, what a f- charming little thing. He liked the fact that the symbol, the silhouette of Mickey Mouse was so recognizable and could inspire so many people to do so many things. So, yes, one could say the silhouette of Mickey Mouse inspired the swastika. <laughs> <laughs> But to be fair, a lot of nations have had easily recognizable insignias like the yeah. eagles being, or right. variations of the eagle have been used for years, lions and so on. On, on, a, on a much less dark note about Mickey Mouse, one mm. thing, a fact I learned about him that's very interesting is that no matter what angle he's drawn at, his ears are always remain at equal distance. <laughs> this is so that he can, he can preserve his silhouette, no matter what angle he's drawn at. Like, you never see him with his ears intersecting. Hmm. No matter what angle his head is drawn at, his ears are always evenly spaced out. So that way he can always retain that classic silhouette. You know, if you turn him upside down, he looks like Among Us. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Uh, mm. Alright, ooh, okay. Okay, so let's say Disney loses copyright to Mickey Mouse in this Dreamland mm-hmm. scenario. And they have to replace their silhouette with a dinosaur. Which dinosaur? Easy. Eladar, make it a Guanadon. He's Disney's dinosaur. It's one of I their guess best <laughs> movies. It is, it is. Uh, okay, yeah, Eladar. That's, yeah, that's right. Obvious choice. Now, now, obviously, he's not like a silhouette. He's not easily silhouettable. <laughs> Maybe do the Carnotaur. But... Well, that or they just purchase Barney and then just have the big poop um, dork on is their symbol. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that could work. I do like Dinosaur, though. It's kind of funny, like, you either love Dinosaur, but a lot of people, like, a lot of Disney fans I know find the movie boring, and I'm like, why? It's so good! It's basically a darker land before time. It is, like, but that seems to be a... It's, that's good. It's, 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 that seems to be a very common complaint I've seen, is that it's boring. People don't seem to recognize the land before time was originally going to be a very dark film, in addition to them not talking, like, Secret and Nim style. Don Bluth actually does really dark kids' cartoons. He does, he does. Well, well even, like, his uh, last movie he did was Titan AE, which I actually quite like. <laughs> but that was Yeah, pretty... I love that. That and Anastasia were good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so yeah, like Aladar, that, that's a good choice. Ironically, uh, Anastasia, everyone used to think she was a Disney princess, not realizing it was Fox. Now she actually is a Disney yes, princess. Yes, she is technically a Disney princess now. <laughs> Although, to rain on everyone's parade, not only is that movie inaccurate, because again, it's a movie in Rasputin being a magic devil man when he was a really weird orthodox priest historically. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> She, we definitely know she didn't survive. The bodies of her and her little brother are being found. Well, that's the thing. They, over a decade ago. To be fair, they weren't they weren't found when the movie came out. But yeah. Yeah, and there was that woman called Anna Anderson who, for years, passed herself off as Anastasia. Turns out she wasn't. She was some American, if I recall. Right. Well, it's like also, um, you know, I I heard for the marketing of that movie because like they looked at the mistakes that Disney made with Pocahontas, which was another historical character they turned into a fairy tale. Uh and, mm. and what what Disney did in the marketing for that was, even though it was clearly a legend and a fairy tale, they treated mm. they marketed it as like this was the historical tale, and those like people watched it. This isn't historical. Mm. While marketing uh, Anastasia in Russia, they made it very very clear in the marketing that this is a fairy tale. This is yeah. a fantasy Disney princess style fairy tale. That happens to be about his historical character. And Russia loved Anastasia as a result. Like, they, they marketed it very well in, in Russia. So, just um, to finish it off, if people do ever look into the actual development history of Disney's dinosaur, it was actually very different. It was initially going to be set like where they would, the asteroid would come at the end and they would all die. 
um, Aladar was meant to be a Starachosaurus, and it was originally going to be directed by Paul Verhoeven, who did Robocop, Hollow Man, Starship Troopers, and similar films. Really? I also heard that there was, like, a draft yeah. of it that was kind of more religious, too. Like, some of the dinosaurs are named, like, Adam and Eve. Yeah, they were basically heading to the Garden of Eden or something. Because it originally started out um, once Disney started getting interesting, because it went through different studios, and it was meant to be, like, a movie made out of the dying of the dinosaurs bit of um what is it fantasia right yeah so see people you do learn things when we rant <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so and also like that movie was it was developed by apparently this short-lived animation company called secret lab studios yeah it wasn't pixar it wasn't pixar and also it wasn't technically the disney animation department at the time it was retroactively mm. added to the disney animated canon in like 2008 mm. i think i heard in like 2008 mm. so and it has aged very well effects wise like if you yeah. like most pixar films still look good but you can clearly tell this is 90 cgi this is mid 2000 cgi because yeah. of the quality change even like beyond the pixar style but like this still looks top notch it does it does there are sometimes there's some close-ups where like you can tell the textures are a little bit old but those are few and far in between so like yeah you don't get cases like where if you're re-watching the original dress apart with the brachiosaurus is clearly cgi even if it's aged quite well or like when you watch the cgi bits of walking with dinosaurs and sometimes parts of the dinosaurs and that clip through the rest of them yeah yeah exactly and they're kind of blurry but yeah mm. so speaking of walking with dinosaurs perfect segue and also speaking of retroactively sort of like how sort of like how disney's dinosaur was retroactively added to the disney yeah. canon this is this, a dinosaur. The, this is what the polar allosaur actually is yes this was retroactively added into walking with dinosaurs so we're talking about australovenator or southern hunter uh yeah, and it's actually a Megaraptor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Type is a Megaraptor in Theropod, a group of meat-eating dinosaurs with controversial relations to other theropods. Like, we we just don't know where they should be classified. So, hmm. like, the sub like, sometimes they're being reclassified as a subset of um, Allosaurids, Vehicocarodontosaurids and stuff. Other times they're, they're offshoot of Megalosaurids, which apparently so are Spinosaurids. Right. And then sometimes they get placed close to Tyrannosaurs, which yeah, has yeah. my head in. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I, I talk all about that here in a second. Uh, Basically, with dinosaurs, never take anything for granted when it comes to classification. It's changing all the damn time. Exactly. It's changing all the time. And that's why I think it's so funny when people like get onto something for not being... 100% paleontologically accurate. Mm. I'm like, nothing is 100% yeah. paleontologically accurate. It's like, accurate. get over it. Like, on one hand, there's the old retro reconstructions, but stuff from as recently as the late 80s, early 90s that you'd see in Jurassic Park, like the shrink-wrap dinosaurs were still considered accurate until a decade ago. So, yeah, exactly. Get a what you think's accurate now, if you look back at it 100 years from now, whether we're still here or it's like the, like the human lifespan increases or it's you know descendants assume we don't all die out right. they're probably going to look back on what we know now and think oh those idiots exactly and that's good that shows our our knowledge is improving but i just think like documentaries hmm. are one thing like as of recording right now uh this has probably come out by this point but there's that prehistoric planet hmm. uh trailer which looks yeah. great and it, it looks like super paleontologically accurate super cool super high budget it's like the modern walking with dinosaurs but definitely have to see it then I don't normally watch dinosaur documentaries because I most of them are just quite generic. No, no, this one, this, with dinosaurs. this one is produced by John Favreau, and it's uh, narrated by David Attenborough. The music is Hans Zimmer, Ooh. and oh, I'm definitely watching it. Say no more. Yeah, and it's very high budget, so like. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Like, it, this, this... Yeah, I've seen a, there's a dime a dozen cheap discovery production. No, this one's all out. This ones. one's all out. So... Like, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, when it's the exception, I'll watch it. When it's just uh, your generic yeah. crap, I'm not going to watch it. Exactly. Anyways, so when this trailer came out, people were like, well, it looked really good, but then certain people on like on paleo source sites were like, oh, this is good, and the Jurassic World one suck. And I'm like, yeah, one's a movie and one's a documentary. <laughs> like, like, Yeah, plus Jurassic World, we're actually seeing more accurate dinosaurs now in two. They're theme park monsters, you idiot. Exactly. Stop getting so touchy. Jurassic Park has never claimed to be accurate. Also, and I've said this before on other episodes, mm. people are like, oh, the first one was as accurate as possible at the time. Like, no one can tell me that with a straight face with that movie with that Dilophosaurus. <laughs> like, my thing with mm. art and other stuff like that, in terms of, like, fiction, is, like, all you are beholden to is the style, tone, and vibe you are going for. A dinosaur-related work could go for dinosaurs that are as up-to-date and accurate as possible or they could go all out and have them like 1950s style slurposaurs and also give them lightning breath <laughs> and either would be yeah, dinosaurs as dragons and either would be perfectly acceptable if that is the vibe the story is going for because art yeah. is not beholden to reality <laughs> like Anyway, so where was I? Okay, so so, all right, so it's a Megaraptoran theropod, size twenty to twenty-two feet, so that's six point six point five meters long, eleven eleven hundred to two point two, uh, eleven hundred to twenty-two hundred pounds, or five hundred six hundred kilograms. It was a carnivore, time mid Cretaceous, ninety-six to ninety-four million years ago. Uh, location Australia. It was described in two thousand nine. Uh, and keep that in mind because pop culture appearances retroactively in Walking with Dinosaurs, which came out in nineteen ninety-nine. Came out in 1999, hmm. so but it was just yeah, because the Santamore itself was only properly described in 2009 by someone called Scott Knockhole, right? Exactly, so or Hocknell or something. In A Walking with Dinosaurs, it was only depicted as like the dwarf or polar allosaur. It was based on fragmentary hmm. ra- remains at the time that that hadn't been officially described yet. Uh, once those formally described, BBC was like, Yeah, that's what that was, and updated the Walking with Dinosaurs website to call it an Australopithecus. They did the same thing with um, Walking with Monsters, um, when they covered the um. Megarachnia, which they renamed to Amisophile, because it turned out the actual animal they were depicting as the giant land spider was actually uh, the fossil remains of a sea scorpion or something. Exactly. No, they do that a lot. Like, I'm also, like, in Walking with Beasts, in the third episode with the Intricatheers, they have a Calicothere there, even though this was not at a time when a Calicothere would have lived or, like, like, either time or place. 
but they they yeah. they wanted to show Calicathiers, so that's why they called it Calicathier, which is the family, rather than like a specific genus, because they're like, okay, this is just yeah. a Calicathier that we haven't described yet. We haven't, and it's much more forgivable than showing blooming Utahraptor in the European. <laughs> exactly, it's called Utahraptor. Like, what is it doing in Europe? Particularly when there's a whole ocean in between them. It's not like Pangaea. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure it was meant to be a stand-in for just some obscure Dromaeosaur, but. Well, yeah, because, like... They didn't even try. Yeah, because, like... I don't even know... I mean, no, there were a few raptors known in Europe back then, like Pyroraptor and, like, Variraptor, but, yeah. Anyway, so, dinosaurs mm. were everywhere. Every continent had a vast ecosystem full of dinosaurs from the top to the globe to the bottom. Helping this was the warmer climate and lack of polar ice caps during the Mesozoic era, which meant that even at the South Pole, there were thick forests full of creatures. Uh, that, that didn't mean it wasn't cold, especially in the winter, but this was still very livable. And you might be wondering why I'm hmm. bringing up the South Pole when talking about dinosaurs from Australia, but that's because the early Christians of Australia was not only much further south than it is today, but it was also fused with Antarctica and South America. And it was cold enough down there that if you've seen Walking of Dinosaurs, you should know that they probably didn't have crocodilians down there, which is why late surviving Timospondyls like... Um, Coolasuchus, yeah. What did they call... Yeah, Coolasuchus hung on down there. Exactly. So, um, but, so all the way back in 1903, the first ever dinosaur fossil found in Australia was discovered by William Hamilton Ferguson, a large theropod claw that was dubbed the Cape Patterson Claw. While the owner of this claw has still not been fully determined, the fossil combined with scattered unnamed remains of theropod dinosaurs found in the 90s was enough for the producers of walking with dinosaurs to include it in their segment featuring Australian dinosaurs near the South Pole. Apparently, the producers stated they needed a large predator, and this was the closest they had. Hmm. Since the uh, Kate Patterson claw looked similar to those of Allosaurids, they named it the dwarf or polar Allosaur and called it a survivor from the Jurassic times where the other theropods thrived elsewhere. This isn't entirely unfounded, as the Carcardontosaurids were closely related to the Allosaurs and those lived around that time. Um, yeah, and you do get cases of like relic species in itself. They probably figure, well, we've already got Coolasuchus. What's polar allosaur? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, however, in 2009, enough studies of the fossil fragments have been implemented to formally describe the specimen in which they belonged, and that was Australovenator, the southern hunter. Through all these studies, which persisted long into the 2010s, it was determined that Australovenator, the alleged dwarf allosaur, wasn't allosaur in the conventional sense, but a megaraptorin, a mysterious group of theropods that go back and forth in being more closely related to the tyrannosaurs or the allosaurs. Or, I don't know, other things. Uh, Even the um, Abelisaurids. Yeah. Currently, they're presumed to be within the Neovenator clade of theropods, which are a subclade of the Carcardontosaurids, and thus, in a roundabout way, Allosaurs. <laughs> it all comes together. Mm. Uh, but cladograms are a mess. In life, Australovenator was the apex predator of its region, with evidence that of hunting at the Rabidontid ornithopod Muttaburosaurus, and even the Titanosaurid sauropod Diamantinosaurus. Yeah, which wasn't particularly large. It was about 50 feet long, which is big, but not, like, crazy big. Not, yeah, not by sauropod standards. Like, that, like, remember when we did, like, that episode of Rapidosaurus from Madagascar? Like, this is big, but not, like, big, big. And we we went on and on and on. I love that episode. Basically, it would dwarf many mammals, except maybe the endricophiums, but, um, it's small fry by sauropod standards, average, roughly. I know, I I love that episode because at the end we go on, like, this five-minute rant where it's like, it's like when you go to a zoo and see an African elephant, but then you see an Asian elephant. It's like it's like when you order the dinner entree of a Chinese restaurant, but then you get the lunch entree. It's like if you mm. order a baking-sized fry, but you get a medium fry. And we just went on for five minutes. It was very funny. So... <laughs> I think that's still in there, isn't it? It is. It is. It's very funny. Anyway, so uh, so since Demontinosaurus, it, it wasn't 
you know, it wasn't huge, but it was still 50 feet long, and this was 20 feet long. Hmm. So for an orphan, also... It's still a pretty impressive animal, but not, like, game-changing, like, but, Argentinosaurus or Brachiosaurus. But, like, in order for Australovanaire to hunt them, they probably had to do so cooperatively, i.e. pack hunting. So where was that in the Walking with Dinosaurs episode? Hmm. <laughs> although, although... Well, again, they didn't have much to go on, but then exactly. they did show Allosaurus has been a pack hunter in that. Exactly. Also, to be fair, Dia... why would you need pack hunting when you're feeding on the Yellowsaur? Exactly. Also, to be fair, Dia Montinosaurus was also described in 2009, uh, ten, ten years after the show, and with no prior evidence to speculate such an animal like Australovanator had. So, oh well. <laughs> uh, but yes, one thing people might or might not know is Australia's um, fossil record is pretty impoverished. It is. Well, and like and like sort of a thing. It's like. There are certain areas of the world that might be full of fossils, and we just haven't really explored them yet. It's like... Like what we were talking about between East and West Coast America back when they had the Inland Sea, and it was Laramedia and El... Appalachia. 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 Yeah. Um, but yeah. Like, we've got the East Coast Tyrannosaurus, the Dryosaurus, or Dryosaurus, or however you pronounce it, but we don't have a whole lot in the way of other animals here. There's some... Hadrosaurs and stuff, but again, not a whole lot. Well, and like, and who knows? There might be a quarry there that we haven't found yet. It's like... Sort of like how, like, in China, like, a lot of finds recently are coming from China, but that's because, like, the, the, we started looking in China, like, in the 90s. We didn't start it a lot earlier. Yeah. So and who knows how many fossils from China we're never going to see because they were considered dragon bone and used in blowing the folk medicines over yeah. there. Well, sort of like we Look, one thing to give it over rhino horns, at least the animal's already dead, <laughs> but <laughs> it's still not good. All right, let's rate Australovenator 1 out of 65 million. Uh, 15, no, um... 59 million from my end. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's yeah, got... I'm just thinking, um, 15 million or maybe 14 million, you know, basically one-fourth of the rating system if I can give it because it's Australian and Whoa, no one 15 should... million? Yeah, 15 million out of 65 million I'll rate it because Ouch. it's an Australian and I'm obligated by the Australian-New Zealand rivalry to yeah. rate it law. Yeah, I, I get that. You gotta have your your pride, you know, whatever. <laughs> but that's it for this week. If you want to get a hold of the show, you can contact me at MattD at MatthewDonCareer.com for your general questions to either co-host. You can follow me on social media at MatthewDonCareer on Facebook, at MatthewDon64 on Twitter, and MatthewDon64 on Instagram. I have also a book series on Amazon, Megazoic, available for printed Kindle. Who knows if I used an Australovenator in there? I don't know which species I used. It's been so long since I've written these. So I also have another podcast called The Rit Wit, where two twits talk about writing. Uh, that's it for this week. As I say at the end of every episode of Paleo Bites. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.